let's dive in here. We're going to move to the next one, the meek. All right. So it says here, uh, and let me just let me just start off by saying that uh, when I was asked to do this section here, I was like, "Dang it! Why'd I get meek? I mean, <laughs> couldn't I? I mean." The next verse would have been uh, so much easier. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, come on, that, that preaches so much easier. Let, why couldn't I have done that one? But, uh, you know, here we are in verse 5, in my version. It, uh, it, says, it says, the gentle are blessed, or the meek are blessed, for they will inherit the earth. So, who wants to dive in? And tell me, what does that even mean? What does, like, can someone even define what meek is? Because for me, this is where it's like, you know, the poor in spirit. I'm like, okay, I kind of understand the word poor, and I can kind of come up with something. And those who mourn, it's like, yeah, I can kind of feel sad, and I can kind of get with that and understand that. And I get to meek, and I'm like, moving on. Let's go to the next one. So... Can anyone tell me what the word meek means or or just kind of what are your initial thoughts about this word or about what it's saying here? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting thoughts. Jody? Uh huh, uh huh. Oh, sure. Those are some good initial thoughts. <laughs> 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 What's up with your family? <laughs> no. Sorry. No. Uh, it's interesting the way they put it. Um, it said, enduring injury with patience and without resentment. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. What other things do you guys think about when you hear this word meek? Uh huh. Is willing to put something something before them. Others are more important than them. Their initial reaction is not them. Sure. Yeah, that's that's good. Any other thoughts? What do you got, Carl? Oh, you're cheating too. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. I said the same thing. Then the first thing that pops out into my mind is gullible. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are. Brent, did you have something, Jennifer? Um, um, something you said. Oh, not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Like, like kind of that humility. Somebody else Okay. Good stuff. Go ahead, Megan. I was just thinking, like, how all of these. Like, so for what you get after your, what you're born in spirit of blessed for the kingdom of heaven, 
Sure. Know exactly what you're saying. That was very clear. Um, <laughs> all right. Last one here. Um, so my version says the gentle are blessed. Okay. Mm-hmm. The meek. And so I was thinking of like gentleness and, and what I think in regards to that. Um, and I really think of someone who is not like their actions are not controlled by their emotions. Their actions are controlled by. Um, Faith and and a steadfast steadfastness in God. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's good stuff. So let's let's see. This these are some things that I thought about. Is I thought of someone who is weak. I don't know. I hear I see the word meek, and I'm like weak, meek, weak. I don't know if it's just because because they they rhyme there, but it's like weak, frail, something like that is what came to mind. I've thought of a doormat, somebody whose meat gets walked all over, you know, uh, that's I, I don't know if you guys thought about that, but that's that's kind of where where my head was at. Someone who gets picked on I, this right here. If you don't know, that's the karate kid. Come on, guys, get your head. So so someone who gets picked on, someone who gets pushed around and, and we kind of were getting getting that idea of someone that put other people in front of them. But the last is, is someone who is, is just timid, like a little lamb sitting there. That's just a, a lamb of a person, soft and frail and, you know, all, all of that. So that's what my initial thoughts were. And Meek's defined as the act of enduring in, injury and patience. And uh, doing that without resentment. So that's what the word meek means. And I know some of the transition, uh, some of some of the words can be translated into like meek, gentle, humble, or mild. But what I think is really cool is I went and I looked at the the Greek word, and it's praus. And so as we've been learning, there are a lot of words that don't translate well. Okay, and that's why in different translations you get meek or gentle or even humble or mild, all for that same word, praeus, praeus, it's praeus, there it is. And so the best way to describe this word here is with a little story that I'm going to read. I, I did a little research, and, and so this guy wrote, was, wrote an article about this word, and I just want to read this to you because... Instead of just reading a definition, I think it'll give you a more well-rounded idea of what, what Jesus was trying to get across to us. And I hope you like horses. So it says, the Greek word praus was used to define a horse trained for battle. Wild stallions were brought down from the mountains and broken for riding. Some were used to pull wagons. Some were raced. And the best were trained for warfare. They retained their fierce spirit, courage, and power, but were disciplined to respond to the slightest nudge of pressure of the rider's leg. 
They could gallop into battle at 35 miles per hour and come to a sliding stop at a word. They were not frightened by arrows, spears, or torches. Then they were said to be meek. So when they got to that point, then they were said to be meeked. A century, as centuries went by, the secret of training such animals was passed from the Greeks to the Roman legions, then to the Moors and the Spanish, con- Spanish conquistadors, and finally the Austrian Empire. We see a few war horses descendants today in the Lipizzanar horses of the Spanish riding school of Vienna. To be meeked was to be taken from a state of wild rebellion and made completely loyal to and dependent upon one's master. It is also to be taken from an atmosphere of fearfulness and made unflinching in the presence of danger. Some war horses dove from ravines into rivers pursuit of, in pursuit of their query. Some charged into the face of exploding cannons, as Lord Tennyson expressed in his poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade. These stallions became submissive, but certainly not spineless. They embodied power under control, strength with forbearance. Does that change the idea a little bit of meek? That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's pretty cool. These here are some wild horses. Isn't that awesome? I wouldn't want to be next to these guys. Have you ever stood next to a normal horse? It can be terrifying if you're not used to being around them. All right, they are huge and has anyone been kicked by a horse? Oh, my goodness. Was that fun? Did it hurt? A little bit? Just a little bit. All right, we got a tough one. This right here, these are wild horses here. This is what wild horses do. Okay? I want to show you this, this next horse. This is an actual picture of those, uh, what did she call them? The, the, the honor horses, Okay? This right here is one of, a descendant of the Greek horses that they used to train. This is what a trained one looks like. Look how high that thing can jump. Is that not crazy? It's amazing. That's what a trained horse can do. That is, that is, that's nuts. I can't jump that high. My lesson from here goes on to jumping and other things like that. It's, it's going to be really good. Strength under control. When we talk about being meek, and blessed are the meek, this right here is more the idea I think Jesus was trying to get across. Not to be a pushover, not to be weak, not to have be someone that just lets things happen to them or, or puts everybody in front of them. What we're talking about here, God wanted someone who was completely tamed and submitted to his control. Someone that was taken from wild rebellion to a complete submission. And here, even my first thoughts when I saw strength under control, the first thing I thought to is like, yeah, I'm strong. And I'm under control now, you know, and I'm this fierce beast. And look, I'm a disciple, and now I'm like caged beast, just wetting to, 
just waiting to break free. And that's not, that's not what, what Jesus is trying to get across. He's not saying, he's like, you're tough, guys, and I know you're the man. But now you've got to just dial it back and be self-controlled. That's not what he's talking about here. What I want you to see is strength under God's control. Taking your own strength, whatever, however much or little you think you have, in submitting that to Christ. Have you guys ever thought about submitting yourself into slavery to someone? Have you ever considered the idea of saying, you know what, I like this guy so much, I'm, I'll be your slave. I'll give up all of myself to be fully trained and tamed and under your control. Any hands on that one? No, probably not. That right there, this, this is the idea that, I, that Jesus is trying to get across here. Okay? And then when we go back to the original definition, what did I put here? No, we're still here. All right. Is, you know, when, when we see the words that uh, often get translated from this, you know, word praus, we get meek, gentle, humble, mild. You know, that's what we become when we're fully submitted. We become a person who is meek, someone who's able to endure long-suffering and do it in a manner that's not resentful. It's someone who's become... Can you remember, can you, could you imagine a, a wild beast who has become gentle? A, a wild beast who's become approachable? Someone who's now become touchable? You, like, a, I wouldn't want to get next to this wild horse. I don't want to be anywhere near that, okay? But someone, this horse, look at that. They, that horse is now approachable. It's now got purpose. It, it's, it's used for jumping, okay? And, and those guys, it's about to jump on that guy's head, and he's standing there like, I got this, you know? This right here is, is that, that horse is now approachable and touchable. It's humble. It's willing to be led. It's willing to be sent in a direction and told what to do. It's mild-mannered. It's, it's, a, it's a horse that is, it's, it's, it's timid. It's, it, it's calm. This right here, this picture right here is, I think, more the idea that, that God was, or that Jesus was trying to get across. I want to read this scripture here. This is in Jesus talking in Matthew 11, a little further down. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That gentle and humble right there, that's the same word, praus. So what's he saying here? Notice how he's making a reference to being yoked. Isn't that what you do to horses? 
You, you think he might be talking about something similar here? He's saying, I'm this way towards God. Come to me. Be like me. Be teachable. I'll teach you how to be that way. You know, we were wild and rebellious at some point. And I think you all know, we, there are varying degrees of what that looked like, but I think we all know what that meant for us. And I don't know about you, but for me, didn't that produce a weariness? Didn't you carry a weight? Does this change a little bit the way we read this scripture? Typically, we just go, man, God, I'm tired, and, let, and please give me rest. He's saying, come give me rest. But I think he's calling us to do something a little different here. What's the command here that he gives us? What do you guys think about that? What's, what's the command that, what are some of the commands he gives us here? Hmm? Take my yoke yeah, that's one of them. Learn from me. And then come to me. This idea that, that he's calling us to be that rose, he's calling us to come and be tamed by him. Come and learn from me. Come and, and put my yoke on your neck. Let me, let me teach you. Become my property. But let me assure you, my, my yoke is easy and light compared to what you've been in. This right here is what a yoke looks like. If you've never really understood that these horses are yoked together, all right, these are the Budweiser Clydesdales here, okay? And if you look up at the, the drivers there, they're either leprechauns or they just won the Masters, okay? <laughs> this right here is, is what he's called us to be. He says, come to me and I'll do this to you, okay? This right here, that doesn't look fun to me. I mean, you look at that picture and you're like, wow, those horses are majestic. And they look in sync and they look like they've got a job to do, you know. But if you, if you step back and look at it, they're all chained up. They're all got these yokes on them. And they're, they're not in control. Who's in control? The guy's driving the horse carriage, you know. This idea of being yoked, it implies ownership that, that you will be owned by by Jesus he's saying put this on and you'll become my property you know here I think one of the things I like about this picture one of the things that, that gives me comfort is when he says that my yoke is easy my burden's light don't those yokes look pretty appropriate for for those horses it's not like they're, they're weighed down by something inappropriate, you know? It's not like there's just cement blocks around their neck that they're dragging on the ground. It looks like they're, they're being treated correctly here. But the idea of being owned, the idea of being controlled, it makes, us, makes me think, the questions I was asking myself is, what am I yoked to right now? Because whether we, we like to think it or not, we're yoked to something. And then the other question is, who or what owns me? 
because because obviously we are all owned or or tied to something and it's it's either you know we're owned by our feelings our emotions our jobs school our spouses whatever that is guys what are we thinking about right now i I asked a few questions i want to hear from you guys where we're at now what are you guys thinking about you know, there's, there's two thoughts that I'm having right now. The first one is, um, you know, this is a great picture to me because, um, as you were alluding to, I mean, yes, you have the drivers, but you also have, what is it, eight horses in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're all yoked together. And yeah. So, you know, like, who, who do I have in my life that I can be yoked with? You know, who, are my, who are my friends that I can really, you know, look to and, and you know, have those relationships with where I know that, you know, we have each other's back, which I think I like the point you just made there because this right here from this point on, the way I've talked about it, it's been a solo gig, hasn't it? It's been this individualistic idea that me individually, I'm owned. But when you think about it, this is really a communal thing, isn't it? This is an idea that when I decided to be yoked to God, I also decided to be yoked with all of you guys. The, um, The other thought in Philippians 2 says here says uh talking about Christ Jesus it says who being very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing but the very nature of a servant um, being made in human likeness being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on the cross mm-hmm. so, Well, isn't, isn't it interesting that he's calling us in this scripture to be holy for I'm holy? Isn't, it, isn't that a very similar calling that he has? Yes, yeah, so um, here's the two things that I feel like are really challenging to this. Is the first one is going back and remembering that um, Jesus said, blessed are the meek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because, you know, all that we're talking about, all the notes I'm writing, and I'm going, holy mackerel, this is like... Not really something I want to do all the time. And it's like the crux of faith, right? It really sure. is that idea of, am I going to be faithful to God or, or aren't I? And, and I don't know where those horses want to go, but they don't get to choose, Mm-mm. right? And, um, and I think that's the hard thing is, is like when I wake up in the morning and then every decision I make throughout the day, am I really trying to discern and asking God, what do you want me to do? Yeah, you know, and and I think what's tough in in Christianity for us is um, we think that man, the direction I'm going and that I want to go, that's where God wants me to go too. Yeah, and um, go not with the yoke, He can turn me wherever, and it may not be where I want to go, but but blessed are the me, right? So yeah, going that's life. Mm-hmm. That's the toughness. Yeah, I mean, here it says, "For my yoke is easy and my burden is light," and. The idea of being blessed, all these things that he's calling us to do seem to come with some kind of either rest or blessing or, you know, this understanding that we're going to get taken care of in the process. 
Let's move here. Who can tell me what a bit is? Some of the you, some of y'all that uh, do horses. What what is a what's a bit? I, here's a picture of one. But what what does? It's um, so it's a mouthpiece that you put uh, in the bridle, connected to the bridle of the horse that. You and what's wait? Ring. What's the bridle now? That's the, that's the for the horse illiterate. Interesting. You connect those to the, that ring um, on the outside of the bit, and that's um, if you are using mouth control on a horse, like that's how you control where the head goes. Did you guys get all that? Yep. Oh. All right. Do you guys know where I'm going next with this? You probably have a good idea. The bit is used to guide the animal. All right. I think that's the point that we got to get here. And in being tamed, we can't be in control anymore. The horse is owned, and it's a piece of property, and it is told where to go. And horses get bits. We get the Holy Spirit. We get the Bible. We get prayer. But still in all that, the idea is that we're guided. We're pushed in a direction. When, when you think about being tamed, when in that little section that I, I read, these tamed horses, these trained horses became sensitive to the touch of the master. They became in tune to what was being asked for, what direction was being given, where they wanted to go, what were the routines, what was going on. And in the same way, that's what we're being called to do, is to become sensitive to the Word of God, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, sensitive to the nudges of God in which direction to go. And one of the things that's tough with this is, for many of us, we've been around for quite a while, haven't we? Old horses still need guidance. Old horses are still pieces of property with bits in their mouths. Has anyone in here read or rode an old horse? I've ridden an old horse. And I'll tell you what old horses like to do. They like to go to the barn and eat. Okay? <laughs> if you've ever ridden an old horse, you have to almost guide it more sometimes because they're not really interested in going out and playing anymore. They're not interested in going walks anymore. They want to go back to the barn and eat. And so if you're riding in a field and the gate is open and you go anywhere near that door, what happens? They're like, oh, yeah, we're going back to the barn. And they start trotting back to the barn. You're like, no, we're still riding. All right. And we got to turn that thing around. And, and guys, what I'm trying to say here is there is never going to be a time in our walk with God that we won't need guidance anymore, that we will have to stop listening for those nudges, the, you know, those whispers, those proddings, sometimes from the Holy Spirit. It's very easy for us to say, well, I've been around the block. I know the routines. It's also very easy to get fat and lazy. And that's not, that's not uh, what we're being called to do here. You know, uh, these horses that are trained and broken, 
I think the other thing that's interesting here is that they didn't lose their personality. They didn't lose who they were. You know, these wild horses, they picked those specific horses for their qualities because they were fast, because they had courage, because they were strong and they, they could do the work that was being asked of them. Just like the Clydesdales, these big old honking horses were picked to pull this cart of beer because they're huge and they're good at it, okay? They got to use the stuff that they were good at to do the work that, that they were called to do and that they're charged to do. And it's the same for us. We don't lose who we are. I don't get, you know, the things that you're good at, you don't lose those. But what it is is we're taught how to focus that energy to doing what God wants, not what we want. And that's a, that's a good thing. I need focus. It also implies that there's work to be done. And oftentimes when we consider Christianity and we consider our spiritual walk, it's, it's more about me and what I feel like doing and are my needs getting met and does this feel good to me right now and is this really what I want to do or I really think I'd be better suited in Africa or whatever when there's needs right in front of your face that you're not willing to take care of. There, this right here, guys, is there's work that, is, that needs to be done and we were designed to do good works. Any of us could call out a number of scriptures where that's what's being we're called to do is good works. But we have got to be sensitive to to the spirit to know what those good works are. They're going to be different for all of us because there are a million one and one needs right outside the door. You know, we all may live in a 10 mile radius, but the needs are endless. The things that need to be done are endless. So tell me, guys. What we've talked about so far, where are we at? What are you guys thinking about? How are we feeling? I mean, Chad, something that was coming to my mind is just that really, like, this is the whole idea of lordship, and that really we're making ourselves slaves to Jesus when we decide to become disciples. And um, I looked it up in Romans 6. It says, uh, just as you used to offer yourselves a slave to impurity, that ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness. Mm. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. So I think about, like, exactly what you're talking about, like, the horses, and, um, I don't know, before when we were living in sin, and we weren't under God's control, we just didn't want whatever we want. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Let's go. Let's go to the next one here, just for time's sake. Let's let's keep flying. All right. This right here is a stubborn mule. Look, he's got a bit in his mouth. He's got the the bridle. Did I say that? And the other doodads on his head. But but look at these guys. He's. He's getting drug around. He don't want to do nothing. All right? We can't be stubborn mules. 
Talk to me, guys. What is a stubborn mule? When we talk about, when we talk about us being stubborn, what does that look like? Because uh, I know we've made the decision. We've put, we said, okay, I'll put the bridle in my mouth. I'll let you guide me around. But what does it look like when we're being stubborn? I see Yariel smiling. You got something to say, Yariel? Mm-hmm. So, me being stubborn, I just, like, refrain from asking about it. Yep. I'm going to get an answer that I don't want. So, if I don't ask, then I don't have the answer to yeah. what he says, right? So, I was just laughing, because literally, I was just talking about how stubborn I am, and I know I'm stubborn, <laughs> and I know that I'm doing it, but I still do it all the time. Yeah. Well, stop it, and, all right, well, yeah, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, what other thoughts you got? illustration here um most of the time when horses stop in their tracks it's because you approach something that they don't want to do mm-hmm. whether it's crossing a river or going next to a tree that they don't like or what have you most of the time it's something super ridiculous where the rider's like literally this puddle is not even an inch deep like we can walk through this but the horse is like i see water and i don't like that so i don't want to do that so when i think of just being stubborn it's it's things that are that god is leading us to or god is telling us about or or fill in the blank that god wants us to do and um because of some either ridiculous reason or maybe we've been there before and we just don't want to go through that again or um or what have you but like it's it's something that in our minds we're like I'm not going to do that yeah. because I don't want to. And it's, it's us putting our, um, our, our foot down, so to speak, and saying, I don't want to do that because this is my life, uh, rather than, like we've been talking about, submitting um, and, and being a slave to Christ. That'll preach. India? It takes faith to submit like we're being asked to submit because there's a lot. I can tell you from experience, there's a lot I don't understand. You guys probably already knew that. But, um, yeah, it, for us to get to this place and not drag our heels the whole way, I mean, it takes a, it takes a, a load of faith. I think sometimes it's easy to get... Um even confused a little bit when if, if I take the context of 
Jesus' mission out of this, mm-hmm. right? Because everything he's talking about is, I came here to redeem people. Yeah, I'm leaving. I'm going to give you guys the words to go yep. redeem people, be ministers of reconciliation. And, and to me, that's the most um, like clear indication of severance every single day. When I walk out my door, when I'm interacting with my kids, when my family, whatever is, um, I don't know what's going to come next. Yeah. Um, but it, it can be a little scary knowing that, man, you know, he's leading me to proclaim the gospel to somebody yep. today. <laughs> he's not leading me just to have some kind of neat life today and mm-hmm. to succeed in the things I want to succeed in. That may happen. But to me, that's where the real kind of like, because I've done that plenty. Or it's like, no, 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 I'm not sharing my faith. No, 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 no. I know all the ways people did that wrong, so I'm not going to do that. Sure. Right? And it's, it is scary. And it is like, am I really going to trust that, you know, th- this could turn out really bad? <laughs> yeah. And so to me, the context of the mission is what brings this into I think play. I think that's what's so important for us to have a good understanding of what the fundamentals of Christ are. The spiritual milk, those basic truths of God are so crucial to have because without that direction, without that understanding, it's very easy to be aimless. It's very easy to, to not understand the full picture of what I'm being called to do. And then you just drag your heels. Any last thoughts on that? Go ahead, Carl. Um, usually, tamed or trained animals become stubborn when they're afraid. Sure. So, um, when we are engulfed in fear, the more stubborn we become. So, I think um, reflecting it on our, you know, um, spiritual relationship with God, when we are facing a situation where we are really afraid of something because we don't know, the more stubborn we become. Sure. But we have to think about that. Yeah. Sure. That's huge. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, you know, a few of the things that I wrote down is we can get stubborn when we don't have God on the throne, when we're still wearing the crown. We have the bit in our mouth, but we still try and take control. It's like trying to drive ourselves. That. That's one of the ways when we rely on ourselves, you know, being inwardly focused, not actually looking outward, seeing what's going on around us, but being focused inside, living and being controlled by our feelings. I think those things cause us to be stubborn because I'm just going to put my the bratty kid syndrome. I'm just going to put my foot down and I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to do that and that kind of thing. Um but, you know, uh, I want us to consider, we, you know, we're running out of time here, but I want us to think about what would we tell someone who has this issue? How would we encourage them to repent? What would be the steps they would need to take to move forward from where they're at? The whole idea of that word prayer is full submission and lordship. And how, how, how can you practically apply that? in your life. That's something that I can't necessarily tell you. I mean, I mean, obviously, hopefully it goes without saying, read your Bible and pray, get with people, be open, be in the light. 
But what does that practically mean for you in your life? You're going to have to dig some of that out and flesh it out and figure it out. These are some things that you're going to have to work out because it's not always easy to see on the surface who is living this way and who isn't. Sometimes it's easy to put on a smiling face and uh, not really let people know what's going on. So I wanted to, I threw this in here. This is another scripture with that word prios in it. And it's a, a scripture we're pretty familiar with. And I wanted to get some, uh, some ideas from the women and see what you think. It says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of, an, of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is, the, which is of great worth in God's sight. So here, we've heard gentle and quiet spirit about a million times, haven't we? But the idea that that word gentle is actually praise. The idea of being tamed and completely submitted. Does that change the way you guys think about having a gentle and quiet spirit? What do you guys think about that? And I specifically would love to hear from some of the women. Once when I was studying those words in this verse, and, and I thought of it when you first brought up the, the gentle, I looked up the words and what they meant, and one of the ways it defined was when you think it's gentle and quiet, and again, we view it kind of in our own way or in our world's way, mm-hmm. but gentle and quiet kind of equated to um, like knowing your place, not that it was a negative place, but knowing your place um, in relation to God and quiet was like waters that are still or, or tranquil, but also but in knowing your place, you hold your spot, not, not nothing able to make you move from it, like a strength, like a but under control of Kind of like, I've got my seat and I will keep it no matter what comes, no matter what I think I want more, like I know. So that really stood out to me when, especially as a woman, I think um, realizing it meant more of having an awareness, having a, um, like a resiliency, and kind of like the horse mm-hmm. you mentioned that's willing to go into things that normally things would run from if that's what it's called to. And I just thought that quiet, not, not something of soft-spoken or lack of presence, but knowing... It doesn't necessarily mean timid, does it? No, it just meant keeping your place. Keeping sure. That's cool. I like that. So I just got married. And, um, Congratulations. I think 
actually quiet. I don't think that's what those words convey, but I think so much of me can feel stirred and frantic and scared that mm-hmm. I think you're louder and you're, you know, you're, you want to control things when you're afraid. And I think when me and Josh fight, I tend to, to want to control him because I'm scared. Um, and I'm scared to trust somebody else with decisions or I just want to control something that is just him. And um, I don't know. I think there's just such a beauty in trusting God just in the same way we trust God. You know, it's... Sure. Um, and even in, like, Isaiah, the same words used when it talks about, um, like, the woman in Israel and it talks about how, like, you know, God's promise, he said, you know, your fields are still going to be a mess. You're still going to have all these things wrong going on. You know, there's still going to be famine, but I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And because of that, you know, you're going to be gentle and quiet. You know, you're going to be at peace. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. Sure. Go ahead, Mom. Um I think of myself as being that horse that was there. Jumping real high or the one? No. <laughs> the wild one that was kind of biting the neck of the other Interesting. One. <laughs> Go on. That's, I think that's me in a natural situation. And... Um, that me naturally, I'm aggressive mm-hmm. and controlling and worldly. And um, I grew up in a time when women were encouraged to take control and do whatever they wanted to do and not let a man control them and that sort of thing. And I think I have um, spent years trying to change that in me mm-hmm. and it's it's been an almost daily battle and I mean you can ask dad I failed yesterday <laughs> miserably um, but I think that one of the things that you have to fight is what other people think and what's going on in the world around you because this isn't a popular thing for women to be like Mm-mm. in the world because I think women in general they're afraid. They're afraid if they don't, if, if I don't do it my way, if I don't take control, who's going to take care of me? You know? And, um, and I think this is one of the things about having this um, unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. When I think about that, I think about being completely and totally at Peace, understanding that there is a God working that I can't see and I don't know what he's doing or how he's working in my husband's life or in the lives of other men who may be leading in some way and and I'm just going to be okay with it yep. I'm going to be totally at peace knowing that God is moving and working and has my best interest at heart and I don't have to fix everything I don't have to you know run around like a chicken with my head cut off or I don't have to get into a brawl. Mm-hmm. I can kind of um, sit back 
and allow God to move and work. Yeah. And that's been the battle that I think I've been fighting in my own personal self. Sure. For all these years to get myself closer and closer to that point. I, I certainly don't think I've arrived, but closer and closer to that point. That's good. You know, um, I, I thought this was really interesting just because I had never really considered, you know, this here being the same word as what Jesus was calling us when he said, come take my yoke on us. And when he's saying, blessed are the meek, you know, I, I didn't realize that was the same thing. And and it really does. This isn't going to look this isn't necessarily going to look pretty for everybody. You know, when the world sees this like that looks off, you know, that doesn't necessarily you're giving up your control. That That's. That's a little odd. That's very odd. Um, Brent, what you got? So I I was looking at the scripture earlier this week, and um, what really stuck out to me is how this really flowed from even him talking to the slaves about how they should respond when their masters treat them harshly. Um, But just the scripture here, to me, is just it it was very challenging because I think for myself, as I was reading it, Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the, the, the opposite of this is obviously gentleness but where he says in, in 1 Peter 2 21 to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps yeah. and committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth um, so I just think you know as, as you're highlighting just what that gentleness looks like in all in our life throughout you know how it just continues to Sure. And in our interactions with everybody. To me, it was just, it was very humbling um, to think about how I'm ungentle with people, even unknowingly, uh, where I just sort of write them off. Yeah. And then you sort of stop engaging in certain, certain things with them. So That's good. Let's, uh, let's keep moving on here. Uh, here's kind of what we were talking about here is that it's meek is what's in there, but that word praeus. The idea of being tamed by God's word and by his power, giving up our control and allowing him to teach us and to break us for his will, for his purposes. The idea of becoming tender and sensitive enough to be guided by the spirit. And, you know, some scriptures I was thinking about here, Romans 8. The idea of we've got to decide if we're going to live by the flesh or live by the spirit. Will we be guided? What will what will guide us, our flesh or the spirit? The idea of 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. A complete submission. Even my thoughts can't escape. Every thought is taken captive. And down to Romans 6, we've become slaves. We become property to God for the pursuit of righteousness. This idea that we are no longer ourselves in the sense that we think of ourselves, but now we are property to righteousness. We are owned by God. It's no longer us making the decisions. It's God. Let's go home and think about some of these things, because this right here, I don't know. 
this doesn't always necessarily sound like fun. <laughs> this, we're going to have to unearth some things. See where we're at. Take a sober look at our lives and, and say, where am I? The good thing is, is we can move in the direction that we need to go. We can make the decisions to choose the Spirit, to become a slave to righteousness. We can take our thoughts captive. It'll take work. But I don't want us to forget that blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. And this is what I want to end us with here. It says, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. And this idea that, yes, we are slaves to God and we are his property, that also signifies our adoption into his family. And with that, there is an inheritance.